You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. All right. So we're in this like series about giving. And if you're a visitor, you're going to have to bear with us. But I've been apologizing for talking about giving. But this talk is actually very good. It's a very good talk. I'm just saying. And so I'm not going to apologize today about it, but I'll say this. That our, our goal, as we talk about any subject at our church, is not to use condemnation, guilt. We don't believe that those are vehicles that God uses as he desires to bring transformation in our life. We believe that God leads us by love and blessing, encouragement, and those things. And so as I talk about money, just know I'm in the same boat that you are. And I struggle with this like everybody else. And today I'm going to talk about why we struggle with this. There's three things that the scripture that I'm going to talk about will address. One is why we struggle with with, uh, being greedy. (laughs) I know. Why we struggle with being greedy. Um, How that, you know, how that happens. And then how to break the power of it in our life. And, um... It comes from this idea, again, we're, we're spending time here because we believe that, that Jesus desires to transform all of our life. And you know, he says, I'm the author and perfecter of life. And he says, I've come to give life to the full. But when it comes to certain areas of our life, we're like, whoa, I'll just kind of control this one. I'll just kind of, I'd like to, you know, you can have all the other areas, but not this one. And so I created this word a few months ago, and I haven't had an opportunity to use it. But it fits the talk on this, on this deal. So just know, I know that you're going to get your phones out. Enter me into Wikipedia because I should be there, but I'm not yet. So this word will push me over the edge in the envelope of Wikipedia. It's holistic, okay? It's spelled W-H-O-L-Y, like holy, like, but with W on the front end. So it's like holy, like whole, holistic. And it's this. It means this, to live a life. Let me write down what I in the definition. A whole life, a whole life, I'm serious about this. A whole life that is dedicated to serving and loving God. Shazam! I mean, isn't that awesome? That's awesome. That's a good definition. A whole life, whole life that is dedicated to loving and serving God. A desire to become holy, or a desire to become holy in all of my life. Holistically. Does that make sense? And so that's why we're talking about money right now because we feel like this is an issue that God wants to deal with us on because we're great in these other areas. We've had fruit in these other areas of ministry. God's been moving in power. But the area when it comes to greed, when it comes to materialism, that, just that word greed, that's like a mean, that's like a, that's a, fight, that's a fighting word, you know? Who are you saying I'm greedy? Well, that's, that's part of the problem. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. So anyway, so this morning I played bass. I'm, I got to play bass at Ignite. It's so fun. There's no way I can worship and play bass, though. I'm, like, too focused on every note that I'm trying to not mess up. But um, that's another story. And uh, I get in. It's, like, 6 o'clock. I want to finish working on my talk. I go in, and Facebook is up on my computer because I am culturally aware, and we know that all the, new, all the good news in the world comes through Facebook. Anyway, and there's this quote. There's this awesome quote, and this quote says this. It's by Michelangelo regarding the statue, David, you know, the marble one. And it says this, he said this, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. That's exactly what God wants to do with us. He sees us. He sees this beautiful creation that he has made. And each of us, he sees this, 
but he also sees the way the world has covered us and, and hidden parts of our heart and hardened them in a way that detracts from the beauty of who he is within us. And his desire in coming to us through Jesus to bring healing is to set us free. So this morning, as I talk about greed, materialism, giving, or money, as I talk about the subject, just know this. It's from the perspective of believing, of getting you to believe that Jesus wants to set you free in this area and that there is life in this area. But this area, almost more than any other, is an area that we will resist him in and an area that stays hidden from us. And I'm going to show you, the majority of my talk today is how money hides itself from us and how it hides other areas of ministry. This talk is taken from a talk that Tim Keller did that's going to be on our website in its entirety. I took one of his points I kind of want to center in on today and talk about, but it comes from the scripture and uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a passage of scripture where Jesus is talking to us about what life should look like when we're obeying him, when we're following him, when we're living a life that's consistent with his teaching. And this is where Jesus talks about money and possessions. And so I want to read that to you, and then we're going to kind of jump in to what it means or how money blinds us from itself, from being a sin in our life, and also how it affects other areas of our ministry. And this is the scripture right here. This is Jesus speaking. I mean, like, not uh, like, you know, like I'm speaking, reading the Bible. It's not really, I'm not really Jesus. Just, you know, okay. This is, I'm like, yeah, here we go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in, your, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you're trying to teach us in this passage, and that you, know, that you would just prevent the enemy from whispering lies, and that we would be set free today from greed and the things that money can cause in our life that prevent us from being free. In your name we pray, amen. This piece of scripture, um, the eye is the lamp of the body, talking about the eye being healthy. And if the eye's healthy, then the whole body is healthy. It finds itself, it almost, it's like it doesn't fit. If you read beyond this, there's another huge chunk of scripture where Jesus is telling us, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about what you eat. The Lord's going to provide for you. And he's talking about money. So it's like there's a section of scripture that talks about money. And then there's this piece right in the middle about the eye being a lamp. And then there's another section of scripture that talks about money. It kind of like, what gives? Why is this here? What, what, this is, it seems out of place. But when we read um, another passage in Luke, uh, in Luke 11 and 12, where Jesus is speaking again, he ties this passage to greed. He ties it to greed and materialism. And materialism is basically having an unhealthy relationship or excessive or an unhealthy dependence on money and material things. 
And he ties this passage of your eye, which seems like it's out of place, to this passage in Luke where he's talking about greed. And it's surrounded by money. And the point that Jesus is trying to make is that greed, unlike other sin, is a sin that can hide itself. It can hide itself from you. It can blind you on what's really happening in your heart when it, has to, when, when it comes to money and giving. But it can blind you in other parts of your life as well. And I'm going to explain why or how Jesus gets at that. Basically, what, what we see here in this passage, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, it says the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? This is what Jesus is saying. You see, your eye is the only part of your body that allows you to see. What does it do? It takes light in, right? It takes light in, and then as it takes light in, it shows you where to go, what to do. It shows you your surroundings. It allows you to function and do the things that you are supposed to do. If we turn off all the lights right now, and there was total darkness, and I'm like, axe murderer, everybody get out as soon as you can, and it was pitch black, there'd be no light in your eyes. You couldn't see the chairs. You couldn't see each other, and you'd be like fumbling over each other, scratching and fighting to get out. Because your eye that takes in the light wouldn't be able to do so. So what Jesus is saying here is he says, even if the whole room is filled with light, if your one eye, if your, this one body part doesn't work like it should, it might as well be filled with darkness. And he's making this point that, that, that sin, the sin of greed and materialism blinds you to itself it, it, it makes your eye not work like it should. It blinds you to itself, and it blinds you to other areas in your life. There can be other areas that you're functioning in, that you seem to be functioning well in, spiritual and non-spiritual. But if your eye, because of this sin, because of materialism and greed, it affects your eye, it affects what you're able to see. You know, it makes your eye not to work the way that it should. You know, I love UFC. I think it's a phenomenal sport. I know it's bloody. It's, I know you think it's barbaric. Don't judge me. I'm just saying, you got to be an incredible athlete to be in UFC. I think there's going to be UFC in heaven. I don't know how it's going to work without, like, getting hurt or whatever. It's gonna, but anyway, I watch UFC, and there's a fight, a, a fight between George St. Pierre and, George, and Costa, right? And, and Pierre was just jabbing him. He's a southpaw. just jabbing him in the eye. And, the, and his eye shut. His left eye got hit so many times that it was closed. And he couldn't see out of it at all. So he just had his right eye. If you close your left eye and you look, it seems like everything's as it should be. It's like you don't even know you don't have, you know, like it's closed. But the commentator was saying, whenever one of your eyes is swollen shut when you're fighting, you lose the ability to, like, depth perception. You're not able to attack like you normally would because you, you can't measure distance with just one eye. You need the other eye to be able to fight, to be on the offensive. The other thing that happens when one of your eyes swells shut, you're wondering, like, where's this illustration going? I'm about to show you. It's that you also, it affects your defense because you can't see punches coming from that side. Jesus is saying exactly the same thing happens in our spiritual life. Greed and money prevents us from being on the offense, prevents our body from doing the things that it needs to do to accomplish the things that God has for us. But it also allows us to be sucker punched by the enemy in a way that we can't even see it coming. That's why it's so important that we pay attention to Jesus when he teaches us about specific things that he warns us about. You see, Jesus doesn't warn us about adultery. 
He's just like, don't do it. Because he know, he doesn't have to say like, hey, be careful. When you're committing adultery, you might not know it. You're like, if you're committing adultery, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, you're not my wife. What are, what are you doing here? You never do that. Like if you're committing adultery, you know you're committing adultery, right? If you're in denial about that, we need to talk afterwards, okay? The answer is yes. Or like murder. Like Jesus isn't like, hey, you need, I'm, I need to warn you about this because it's going to creep up on you. And you might not know you've done it. If, you, if, you, if, if all of a sudden you're standing with someone and they're dead, maybe you committed murder if you're holding a knife or a gun or something that could have caused the pain. You know? He doesn't do that. He just is like, you know better when it comes to those things. But when it comes to greed and materialism, we find this passage about our eye and how it's so deceptive that it, it blocks us, it covers us, it prevents us from seeing what's happening in this area of our life. And so he warns us about it. And, and again, and again, materialism and greed. This is something, I'm in this boat with you. And, and, and I'm going to prove that you have a, okay, if I said right now, let's just say, raise your hand if you're greedy. Don't do it. But raise your hand if you're greedy. Like, no one's going to ra- probably raise their hand. I mean, it's embarrassing and people around you and stuff like that. I mean, if I raised your hand and said, raise your hand if you looked at porn last night. You're not going to do that either. So, I mean, that doesn't make my point. But, but if I said, raise your hand if you're greedy, there's a genuine reality. There's a genuine part of your heart that says, I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. I don't believe I'm greedy. The last month of our church, the numbers have been consistently down. It's definitely not because I'm a bad preacher. It's because... It's because one of the reasons we attribute this to is because people don't really genuinely believe when I talk about giving greed and money that it applies to them. They think what you're doing right now, you're like, oh, this is going to be such a good talk for that person over there. I'm so glad they're here because they have so much more than me. They have so much more than me. That's greed blinding you to your own greed. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, think about it, ladies. If I said, hey, how much money are you spending on clothes? Your first reaction is like, not as much as so-and-so over here. I mean, I get, I mean, I have some designer stuff, but not as much as they have. I mean, I got 30 pairs of shoes, but I got them on Amazon or Shoezilla, whatever it is, for cheap. For cheaper than everyone else. You know, and we compare ourselves. That's greed blinding you to itself in comparison. And guys, I know, guys, I did a hair color thing. Last time I talked about money for ladies. They're like, I'm not giving up my hair color. I'll give up a lot of things, but not my hair color. I got in big trouble. But I'm, again, I struggle with this too. Like right now, like it's getting, winter's coming. And I lo- I've gotten really back into surfing. I'm like, I need a wetsuit. I need a wetsuit. They're like $400 for a good wetsuit. And I'm thinking, but if I get sick, you know, I can't preach. I need a good wetsuit, right? And, and besides, I just want one wetsuit. Most guys who surf, they have like a spring suit. They have the gloves, the hoodie. I don't need that. I just want the wetsuit. And so I'm like thinking in my mind and comparing in my own mind how other people spend money or surfboards or whatever. We do this thing, and what it, what's happening when we do that is it's, it's greed in my own life that's preventing me from seeing that I'm even greedy because I defer and look at how other people spend money. I compare myself to other people. The bad news is this, is that if we do that, there's always someone else. Nobody thinks they're rich. 
Nobody thinks they're greedy. You can have friends that are making five times as much as you, ten times as much, a hundred times as much. And you know what? They, they think the same thing that you think. They think the same thing that you think. We are constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And the result is we're not allowing the gospel to work on us. That's why Jesus says greed is so dangerous. It's so tricky. It's the way the enemy works itself in. So number one, greed blinds us to greed in our own life. But greed is another thing too. Greed and materialism. I like saying materialism with it just because greed seems so mean. It seems so angry. Like that's just such a, it's like I picture like mean person with like goopy stuff all over them. Like greed, you know, it's just like, but that's not how greed is. Greed is very manipulative. You see, greed isn't like that. It's, he's very subtle. The sin of greed is very subtle. And it affects the way we live, the way we interact, and we do other things. Think about this. Say you work and you sell phones at Radio Shack. I had a friend who sold phones for Radio Shack. One month, and he was a, he was a, dude, a good friend of mine, went to seminary, was in full-time ministry at different times in his life. And he, one month, he sold more phones for Radio Shack than anyone else in the whole country. In the whole country. He sold more phones for Radio Shack than anyone else. I was like, dude, how'd you do that? He's like, oh, man. He's like, I got so good at it. And I, you know, he's like, when they come in, I do this. And then I do that, and I do my paperwork, and I do this, and do this. I was like, I crushed everyone in the office. Literally. That was his attitude. I crushed everyone in the office. And there's a part of us that's like, heck, yeah, it's business. That's what you got to do in business to get ahead. He's got to provide for his family. He's got to do those things. So does that truth trump the other part of the gospel that says that you should love your neighbor more than you love yourself, that you should, the greatest sign of love and affection for your neighbors that you would lay down your life and sacrifice for them. Is there any sacrifice in that story at all? Absolutely not. How? He's blinded. He's blinded by materialism, by greed, justifying this behavior in his life, not even asking the question, saying, well, that's just good business. That's the way it is. That's greed. That's what materialism can do. And that's why Jesus warns us about it. Or how about this? And again, like, I'm not a business guy. I'm not. And so I know that there are are parameters and boundaries we create in business that allow us to make any money at all. But my point is this, that business doesn't trump the gospel. Business practices don't trump love. Don't trump the things that we're called to or that Christ calls us to as Christians, that Christ calls us to, that he says life comes from. And so, for example, like when big superstores, I'm not going to use any names, big superstores move into communities, what happens to the community? What happens to the little guy in the community, the family-run businesses? What happens? They shut down, don't they? Why? Because they can't compete. Why can't they compete? Because the prices are so much lower at the superstores. Why are the prices so much lower at the superstores? Because they buy in bulk. What allows them to have big stores and buy in bulk so much? Because they hire a lot of employees to take care of things. Well, how are they able to hire so many employees if a little business has to hire employees too? Well, because they only hire them 30 hours a week so they don't have to give them benefits like the little company does. And they don't, have to, they don't have to do the things. They don't jump through the hoops to take care of them. They don't give them medical benefits. They don't give them holidays like the other companies do. And again, I don't know business, but I know that these things are true. And so these big superstores move into town, and we all start going to them. Not even asking the question, 
Is this good for our community? Is this business bringing life? Is this business consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ? No, we just go to where it's cheapest because we're greedy. We don't even ask those questions. You know, our offering bags are from a company, a local company called Burrow. These suckers, you know how much, they cost a lot of money. Your ties for like four weeks went there. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it's a local company of people who make messenger bags that don't go to church. We met them and we said, we're going to invest because this is the, what the kingdom of God looks like. It brings life. It moves into the community. It resurrects. It opposes greed. It opposes materialism. It opposes bad business. And it says, this is what the gospel looks like. But we don't even ask the questions because our eye has been blinded. And when our eye is blinded, it prevents us from allowing God to cut away the parts of our life that are preventing us from becoming beautiful preventing us from becoming who he created us to be, from preventing us from being the light in this world that it needs to be. A, holy, a holistic life demands that we don't compartmentalize our spending. It doesn't com- we don't compartmentalize our giving. We don't compartmentalize our money. We don't. We don't do that. We offer that. We show that. We bring that to light and say, I want this to be consistent with every area of my life, that there is a consistency in my life. In 1664 or 1694, I'm not sure which it is, there's a story of a guy who was disciplined. He was disciplined in the church. He wasn't excommunicated, but they like cut him off from having communion and like wouldn't let him participate in other parts of the church. They, and, and the reason they disciplined him was because he was guilty of the sin of greed. And I'm like, what? I know you're thinking, you said you weren't going to use guilt. I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not. This is, this is a good illustration, all right? Just hang with me. I know you're thinking, this is only going to go bad, okay? So this is what happened, is that the church recognized, man, Jesus talks about money more than any other subject. He warns us about greed in these passages. We got to take this seriously. How are we going to do this? So this little church sat down, and they said, all right, there's got to be a standard. We got to create a standard for what a greedy lifestyle looks like. We got to create a standard for what a, a greedy businessman looks like. And the standard that they came up with was that, that if you're a Christian, you're not going to sell your products for more than a 4% profit. I know you're thinking, like, Antley's going to tell us that we can't. No, I'm not. Culture, time, everything's changed. But what they did is 4% profit. And now you're thinking, like, that's not in the Bible. Where did they come up with that number? What they did was this. They said, look, this is serious. So as a church, just for our church, we're going to agree in order to avoid being greedy, we're going to set this standard. We're going to create this boundary. And we're going to say, we are not selling any of our products for more than a 4% profit. And this dude was like selling his for 6%. He knew about it. They sat down. They came up with the boundaries. They voted on it. They agreed on it. They gave consensus. They were all in it together. And he chose to violate the boundary. And the consequence was the church called him on it. And said, we'd love you, but you've agreed that this is a greedy lifestyle. This is serious to Jesus. And because we love you, we're going to call you to account. And again, I tell you that story not to tell you that you need to come up with a formula like that for your business or for how you work. I'm telling it to you because 
in order to break the power of materialism and greed in your life, you need to let someone into your life that you're accountable to. Because Jesus is telling us with this passage, you won't know that you're greedy. Your spouse won't know that if you're greedy or not. And Jesus says that this is very dangerous. It's very sneaky. It will blind you to itself and your ministry to other people if you're not careful. So who are you inviting into your life and saying, look at the way I'm spending money. Look at the way I'm giving. Look at how much is in my retirement. Look at how much is in my college fund. Look at how much I'm spending on cars or groceries or diapers or whatever. Help me in this area because I'm blind. I can't help myself. I can't see this if I'm left to my own. So who, who, is there anyone that you've invited to do that with in your life? No. I know the answer is no. I haven't, I mean, when I, I mean, it's just, when I get money, I'm just thinking, I want to spend it. You know, this goes there and this goes there and then whatever's left, let's go get a wetsuit, you know? I mean, that's how I think. That's how I think. To invite, to invite someone in, You know, to do that with us, Jesus is saying that is not just an option. That is necessary if we really want to get accountable to this. Why is it that we allow people to be accountable? You know, why is it that we have, you know, you'll invite people and say, hey, you need to, if you don't see me at church in a few weeks, you need to call me on it. You know, if you see me, if I'm married and I'm out of bars, you know, hanging out with a bunch of hot chicks, I want you to call me on it. You know, or if you see me like hammered drunk walking down the street week after week or day after day, I want you to call me on it. Or if you see me buying crack, I want you to call, you know, I mean, I'm, I, the list could go on, okay? But my point is, we invite men and women into our life to be honest with us about these areas of our life, except for when it comes to money. Why? Because you don't think you're greedy. You don't think you have a problem with it. Because it blinds you to itself. The number one symptom of having a problem with greed is that you don't have a problem, you don't think you have a problem with greed. Last week, I told you the story of um, how there was someone in my life. It was Craig and Jennifer Carell. They put it on Facebook. My TV, they said their TV blew up. And I had them over to watch Monday Night Football, right? And so, because Craig loves Detroit, and Detroit was undefeated at the time. Now their 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 coach is punching people, trying to blind their eye. But anyway... But, um, you know, so we had him over, and we're putting Amelia to bed. We walk into my room, and I got, it's like this huge plasma TV that someone gave me, right? This massive TV. And the Lord says, you should give him the TV. I'm like, uh-uh. Nope. I like that TV. I love that TV. I like to get up and watch Sports Center on that without having to, like, move a muscle. I just, like, hit a button, like, hit a button. And it's, like, big, right, like, big right up there. And God's dealing with my comfort, right? So I'm like, no. Well, I didn't tell you the whole truth or the rest of the story. So what I did was I gave him Chase's TV. <laughs> like, you need a TV? I give him Chase's, which is a, a smaller TV. It's like this big, you know? It was nice, but I gave him his TV. But that's not what God asked me for. God didn't ask me for, to give him Chase's TV. I mean, I paid for both of them. But he's, he was challenging me on the big one. He was working. He was wanting to chip something away. He was wanting to reveal some beauty. He was wanting to, to bring me to a place where I would trust him believing there's something in that for me. He had something for me. And so, you know, basically last week when I told the story, that was the beginning of me saying goodbye to my TV, right? Which is what happened. I ended up giving it 
to them, and it was exciting. I loved doing it. It was a huge blessing. Well, here's what you don't know. So for the rest of the week, like, I've ended up giving tons of stuff away. Don't, don't come up to me after the service and be like, hey, I like those shoes. Do you have those? But seriously, like, I gave a Kindle away. I gave, like, just different things that people have asked me for. I'm not going to go through the list or whatever. But it's little things, big things. Just like when I gave the TV, all of a sudden I had this freedom that I hadn't experienced, right, before. So this is a true story. So yesterday, two days ago, I'm, I'm going to Publix. You read my, some of you read my Facebook. I got carded when I was at Publix. You know, that's always a good thing when you're 43 years old and you get carded. Anyway, so I go to Publix, and I'm leaving. I'm, in my, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go in, actually. I'm getting ready to go in, and the Boy Scouts are selling stuff, right? Like popcorn that doesn't taste good. It's stale, I'm sure, right? I mean, I love the Boy Scouts. I was a Boy Scout, okay? So I'm not knocking them. But, I, you know, there's just like, it just doesn't even look good. And I hear the, and so the Lord prompts my heart. And he says, whatever they ask, give it. And he went beyond that. He goes, what, he goes, he goes, don't buy anything from them. Ask them what would bring them pleasure. How much, what, how big is the check that I could write that would bring them joy and excitement? So I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I'm like, up for it. I'm like, here we go. So I'm like walking, I walk, the tables are right here. I'm like walking. And they're like hounding everybody. They're like hounding everybody. You know how they are. They're like ants on honey. They came out like, hey, will you buy this? And they're like going everywhere. I walk by the table. I walk just like this, right by the table. I'm going in. They say nothing. They don't even ask me anything. I'm like, you missed out on that one, baby. You know, I was thinking, but it wasn't a relief. I was like, that's crazy. So, so I go in, I go in, I, I, I buy what I bought and I, communion of mine, and I got it out. I put it in my car. And I forgot, Laura wanted me to get something. She wanted me to get a quart of strawberries. But she said, don't spend more than $4. Don't spend more than $4. So I get there, they're $5. I'm like, I just buy it. But Laura, uh-uh. So I was like, hey, honey, they're five bucks. She's like, nope, $4, that's it. So I'm like, I won't spend a dollar extra on this quart of strawberries. But I'm, ready, I'm getting ready to stroke a check for whatever these kids ask me for. That's what I feel like the Lord says. So I leave. So I have to go back in. I have to go back in. Sure enough, I walk by the table. Not one of them says a word to me. Not one of them. And I leave through the doors and walk by the table. Jesus says, that's what it feels like to be free. That's what it feels like to be free. No fear. I was excited about it. I was almost hoping they'd ask me. But when we're being led by the Spirit, we're open we acknowledge God's on the move. That's what it should feel like. That's what freedom feels like. That's what God wants for all of us. The desire to be obedient, the excitement to trust that he has something for us that's greater than what we see that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't spend a dollar on a quart of strawberries, but if they would have asked me for hundreds of dollars, I would have written a check for it. I was gonna do it. I didn't know, they could have said 5,000. I mean, who knows what like a seven-year-old will say, a million a million dollars. I mean, who knows? One million dollars. Awesome. That's better than a hundred, you know. But they didn't say anything. Hebrews eleven six says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, here's the, here's the reality if we believe that Jesus is the author of life and we believe that he has and, and that he wants what is best for us, 
It is impossible to get that, to receive that. If we don't have faith, if we don't have faith that he will provide for us, that he will take care of us, just like Laura's story with the job, you know, and all of the, of the testimonies today just echoes this reality that God is alive. He cares about us. He wants what's best for us. Don't believe the lie that money can give us those things. You know, if I'm honest, what, the, the part of that verse that I really believe, that really motivates me, is that it says he, he rewards those who seek him. And that verse has been abused because I want the rewards that Christ has for me. And I believe that he will reward me. Not that he'll give me another TV, but that my kids won't, won't feel entitled to things like I do. My kids won't be greedy. Or my wife and I, maybe we won't struggle as much when we do the budget together. That God will bring us more in alignment rather than being such extremes. Or maybe my heart you know, will change. And my desire to buy a $500 wetsuit will, will move to maybe I can borrow one. And, I mean, a true transformation of my heart. Maybe God would, would, would change RCC as a result of my faithfulness. He promises to reward me if I'm obedient. He promises to reward me if I stand and I act out in faith. And so for me this week, it's been little things that God has asked me to trust him with. And as I have, I've been freed from those things. I've been freed from those things. And that is reward enough almost. But there is still more. Not just eternal rewards. That's not what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. There are rewards here. We heard it. And Laura's testimony. You know, Stephanie's testimony. Of, of real, tangible things. I started to tithe. And then God did this. I got a job. And I can pay my bills now. How many times have we heard testimonies about how God shows up? When we act out our faith, we trust him. So the three ways we take the power away, we defeat the power of money and materialism and greed in our life. The first is we open our life. We share our life with someone else. We invite someone in to be accountable to that's going to hold us accountable. And in doing so, we also extend the opportunity to be accountable with them, to, to uh, them to be accountable to us. So we allow a voice in. And we become a voice in someone's life. And it could be a group of people. That's one of the ways. And we know that we have to do it that way. Or that Jesus encourages us to do it that way. Because we're blind to it. It blinds us to itself. The other thing is that we allow the Spirit to teach us. And to speak to us. And to lead us. That there are no rules. There are no rules in the New Testament that tell us you have to do this. You have to do that. The reality and the promise is that God loves us. He sees our, 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 our shape, our beauty in the block of, of marble. And whether we're obedient or not, he still loves us. He still sees our beauty. And so we're led by the Spirit as we learn to give, as we learn to allow him in to deal with our hearts. So we ask Holy Spirit to come and teach me about this, lead me in this, and then trust him as we do that. But the third thing, the most important thing, is that we allow Jesus to become our treasure. And we understand that we are his. When talking about how to deal with this, Jesus talks in the scripture, he says, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Whatever your heart is centered on, whatever your heart is excited, passionate, and in love with, that's your treasure. And it's not 
until we really believe that we are Jesus's greatest treasure and that we experience that and that we trust and believe that he loves us and that he sacrificed and gave everything for us. When Jesus gave his clothes and he was left with nothing, that is a reflection of the honor, the glory, and the power that he died to for you. That you are the treasure of his heart. You are the treasure of his heart. And he sacrificed and gave everything to the point of going to hell so that you would know that, that you would know his father's love. And when you receive that, and you believe that that is true about how he sees you, then not only will you be free from money, but you'll be free from everyone, everything, and anything that the world could have to throw at you. And so again, the invitation to transformation comes via Jesus and his love. This talk again, it's about giving, but it's really about believing that Jesus loves you, desperately loves you, wants to bring freedom from money in your life and greed so that you can be beautiful. You can be who he created you to be. If that's enticing or that's interesting to you and you'd like to have ministry in this area, again, when I give a giving talk, no one leaves the church skipping and singing, (laughs) you know, like, oh, that was awesome. I love that. But the, but the invitation for ministry right now and to find hope in life is the same as if I was teaching on anything. And we began this morning with the invitation to experience God's presence. And in his presence, there is love and life, forgiveness, 